Hi, I'm Jason, and this is another episode of Rewind and Review. As always, I'm joined by the one true nightmare before any kind of holiday, my co-host, Rob. Probably the nicest thing you've ever said to me. Thank you. Thank you so much. (laughs) If you take it as a compliment, Uh, all is well. Welcome to Rewind and Review, the retrospective podcast where we have a look at an existing property from the past, delve into its legacy, discuss how it's held up over time, and even give our own personal experiences. Did we watch it as a kid or sometime later in our lives? That's right. This episode of Rewind and Review will look at a stop-motion animated musical dark fantasy film which celebrates its 30th anniversary this year in 2023. So call a town meeting, kidnap the Sandy Claws, and (laughs) get to know Jack's obsession as we ask, what's this? And rewind to the year 1993. Swinging 60s, here I come, baby, yeah! Go back to then. When? Now. 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 Ooh, ah, that's how it always starts. There's definitely a very slim chance we'll survive. In 1993, Marie fought the Mouse King in The Nutcracker. Two dogs spoke up in Look Who's Talking Now. And that's pretty much it for Christmas movies of that year. (laughs) Um, But we did have this one movie, the one we're talking about today, The Nightmare Before Christmas. Yep, directed by Henry Selick in his featured directorial debut um, and produced and conceived by Tim Burton. The Nightmare Before Christmas tells the story of Jack Skellington, the king of Halloween town. After becoming bored with the same annual routine of frightening people in the real world, um, when Jack accidentally stumbles on the bright colours and warm spirits of Christmas Town, he gets a new lease on life. He plots to bring Christmas under his control by kidnapping Santa Claus and taking over the role. Yep, uh, but Jack soon discovers even the best laid plans um, of mice and skeleton men can go seriously awry. Be warned that if you haven't seen The Nightmare Before Christmas yet, but you want to go watch it first before listening to this episode, we will be talking spoilers. Now, mm-hmm. Rob. Yes. Is this a fresh movie for you, or have you dabbled in in The Nightmare before or after Christmas, during Christmas? I don't know. Whenever. Whenever <laughs> it suits you. Have you okay. watched this before? <laughs> I I have seen this before. Um, I believe I have watched it now a whole number of three times in my whole life, um, and all of them actually were as an adult. So even though this movie is thirty years old, I I I've probably seen it three times in the last five years, and that's it. So that's I like really... an average. That's mm. an average of once every ten years. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> But um, it's it, it, I mean, I I hear what you're doing. I, I see what you're doing there. But um, no, it's uh, it's it's interesting because this movie, you know, it is, it's a, you know, it's a family film, kids film kind of thing. Um, so to have it, yeah, only experiencing it in my adult years, it's. I'm not sure if my take on things is is what was intended for things, but um, yeah, um, it, I, I'm I'm looking forward to talking about it. What about you, Jace? How many times have you seen this? Yeah, look, I think once you've once you've watched something like more than five times, you lose track of how many times exactly. So this has been like between mm. five and ten, maybe at a get. I don't know. I've watched it a handful of times. In my house, we've got there's there's Nightmare Before Christmas, memorabilia, little toys, bits and pieces. There's currently Christmas decorations on our tree. You know, <laughs> like. Jack Skeleton baubles and bits and pieces, stuff like that. Yep. And all of that stuff is my wife's. Yeah, right. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> this isn't a movie that, like, I'll admit it. I'll admit it right now. I don't love this movie. It's not like 
a oh wow like yeah this is the greatest thing but it's a big presence in my house it's a it's a mm-hmm. big favorite of, of the wife um so i've had to watch it a few times it's not a chore it's not a chore to watch <laughs> um we're, we're obviously gonna get into it but like there's a, there is so much in this movie that i appreciate and i'm like wow there there's a craft here yeah the artistry the movie making the music you know all of that the bizarreness, the dark twistedness of it. Like, yeah. it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. But overall, it's like, hey, is this something I enjoy watching? I'll be honest. Not really. <laughs> like, nope. <it's... laughs> showing, your ca- so, showing your cards early on that. Um, but uh, look, I, I mean, before we, we go into legacy and stuff, well, I have to say, this is definitely a, it's like, it's a, it's an interesting movie. Um, and enjoying is might not be the right word as a takeaway from this like well now you can enjoy this movie but it, not in the traditional sense of entertainment like the songs in them aren't catchy the oh i mean the animation is beautiful but catchy. it's a grungy weird grotesque world so you get weird mm. mixed feelings of stuff so but we're, we're going to talk it's about like- yeah. It's like an acquired taste, isn't it? It's like if you're into this look, if you're into like that Tim Burtonism of like that mm. kind of world, the gothic, you know, twisted, weird bizarreness, you know, the Frankenweenie yeah. style. Yeah. Like Corpse Bride stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The Corpse Bridey kind of. Yeah. Mm. And it's like, yeah, sick. And look, again, I enjoy a lot of Tim Burton stuff, mm-hmm. um, stop motion things like the art the craft behind it i'm like i'm in amazement like and i yeah. have so much adoration for this it's just and you know on, on that point with the music like, i do find like the, the songs pretty damn catchy like oh, they, they're well performed like do you know, got danny elfman at the helm of you know a lot of the vocals mm-hmm. for it which is which is an interesting thing a bit of um, is it oingo boingo is that how you pronounce it is bad, you know, like I think so. You know, yeah, Bongo Boingo fame, mm. and of course, Danny Elfman. We know Danny Elfman, you know, yeah, the musical scorist. But this, the, word, I don't the think, thing, but the thing that I'd, I'd kind of like raise straight away about the music, like you say, they, they're catchy. I, I don't necessarily agree. What, what I find them, the way I in like experience it, it's more like operatic to me, like they're storytelling songs, sure. they're not, yeah. and so they're beautiful and they're like a little bit haunting or a little bit melancholy. And so you feel real shit <laughs> with it, but <laughs> it's like, I don't, I, I, I honestly don't think I could like hum the tune. You know what I mean? Because it's not a repetitive yeah. thing. It's a, it's more What's of the, a, it's, it's a poetic thing. It's like, it's like the, like the classic Disney music kind of thing and then mm. we've got a bit of disney stuff to touch on a bit later we get into a little bit of how this came to be but yeah you know it, it's not like a traditional musical where it's like hey let's just break into a song for no reason it's mm. the songs are expressing the feelings of the characters yes what they're, what they're going mm. through emoting progressing the story forward if not in a long-winded way because it it's like hey that could have been communicated very quickly but but yeah you know it's about that moment um so yeah mm. it's, it's like it's the it's the disney princess sort of singing about my feelings and what's happening and, and yeah. telling the story that way but obviously in this very gothic dark mm. twisted way which is which is good. but look man there's, there's yeah. some catchy songs in here you know like i find myself every halloween that comes around it's like this is halloween this every this time halloween. And then, yeah okay all right i get that okay get, anytime yeah. someone's just like what's this it's like what's this, what's this? yes yes <laughs> okay yeah i i get it but even the what's this is such a because it doesn't oh yeah i don't know it's it's hard I mean, to articulate just... how different it is from other musical like movies like mm. a lot of the time the songs are for entertainment in those you know in a more disney orientated movie whereas this like you said they are storytelling and emoting um experiential but kind of thing probably, like what's this is about a... jack skeleton going what the hell is going on here not yeah and it's i'm having discovering... a good time la 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 he's like <laughs> what's happening what is this i don't understand what's happening right now yeah, that, yeah. so it's a different it's vibe with music yeah yeah, uh, but you're probably right. Like, I mean, I'd probably say a lot of the music is um, like there's the repetitive thing, which is a manipulative, mm. I, I guess, thing with, well, I guess, like pop music, where it's yeah. like 
repeat the same thing, it becomes catchy, it gets stuck in your head. <laughs> and that's what this music is. I love it. Not all the songs, a number of the songs in this film are doing. Have you have you seen um do you do you watch Bo Burnham, the comedian Bo, Bo Burnham? Have you ever seen? Him? Uh not regularly, I would he, I would say. He's got a great little he's a comedian, but he's he's a bit he's a bit rude. But um he he's got a great song on that's about repeating stuff. It's very cool. Go <laughs> Google Bo Burnham repeat stuff and you'll have a great time. Anyway, um should we talk about the film's legacy, Jace? <laughs> Just put a bit of a stamp in time for, for this. His budget cost 24 million bucks and it made 101.2 million, um, which includes 40 odd million dollars from re releases. So, not like a huge financial juggernaut, but profitable, clearly, obviously, you know, um, which is actually surprising to look at that, if I'm being honest, because I feel like this. There's such a cold, like a cultural impact with this movie. Like, it's it's on the top of people's minds. They they know what this is. You say Jack and Sally, like mind you, if you're saying Jack and Sally, you're probably quoting a Blink One Eight Two song as well. So, yeah. <laughs> it does. Feature maybe maybe that's, that's it, it does. But like, yeah, hundred one, including re-releases. I, I I actually that surprises me. I thought this might have had a bit more of a a popular following. You know. Yeah, well, the thing is, like, I mean, you look at the budget, it's obviously quite a small amount. We're talking 30 years ago. Like, this isn't, like, something that, you know, obviously dominated, destroyed the box office, but I think it's more that case of, like, I mean, it did quite substantial. I think it was about 60 million sort of initially, and then Mm. every re-release, like, it's close to double its original box office just on re-releases there's a power to that if someone's willing yeah. to pay to go see a, th- a thing at the cinema again when it's available at home mm. rent available to stream th- there is a big there's a weight behind that which is good so and, and that just calls mm. to that cult kind of status that i guess it kind of has you know yeah. like wasn't the hugest pop still popped but wasn't yeah. a juggernaut but it's 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 pretty epic but i mean look Overall, the this is from Rotten Tomatoes. The the overview, the Nightmare Before Christmas is a stunningly original and visually delightful work of stop motion animation. Nothing in there talks about like the story or the performances. Mm. It's all about the the look, the visual yeah. side of it, the animation. And again, that's where the majority of my praise sort of comes from. So that's yeah. where I'm aligning myself with. But ninety five percent. On Rotten Tomatoes, based on 106 reviews, there's an average rating of 8.4 out of 10, which is pretty decent on the RT mm-hmm. level of things. Metacritic, 82 out of 100, which is based on 30 reviews. I mean, also pretty positive. Yeah. Um, and Cinema Score, an average grade of B plus on an A to F scale, which pretty decent. Like we've seen some A's and stuff, but a B plus, uh, you know, you wouldn't really be complaining if that was your movie. So look, I mean, overall. Mm. people love it like they dig this movie it's, it's yeah it. i mean it, it it is it is um now awards wise um it was nominated for both the academy um, award for best visual effects and the hugo award for best dramatic presentation um and it won the saturn award for best fantasy film um why elfman won best music which isn't a surprise at all um selick and the animators were also nominated for their work um and elfman was nominated for the Golden Globe Award for Best Original Score. That surprises me a bit as well, but maybe that year there wasn't as much competition because this itself doesn't have an iconic score to me. But um, and it's, and it is, came it out is... in, two, in 1993 with a, an incredible score. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> it was 1992 was Jurassic Park, wasn't it? Or was it Jurassic? Was it 93? 93, mate. 93. <laughs> Too. Oh, that's right. Because we are celebrating. There was some movies, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, oh well. Hey, look. At the end of the day, Golden Globes. uh, No one really takes them seriously. And yeah, yeah, it's all good. They're like the runner-ups for the Oscars, really, are they? (laughs) Something like that. Not even close. Not even close. (laughs) close. (laughs) That's a conversation for another day. But I'll I'll run through why the Golden Globes are stupid uh, another time. Um, all right. Uh, so here you got in the notes this one here. Um, so more recently, the film was ranked number one on Rotten Tomatoes' top 25 best Christmas movies list. 
Now that surprises me because like it, it's a good movie. It's a very popular movie. It's a Christmas movie. Definitely. I understand all this, but you've got really amazing standout Christmas movies out there. Like you've got Elf and you've got Home Alone and you've got even Die Hard, you know, like modern, like more and more every year, there's more movies that seem to become Christmas movies somehow. I don't know how, but out of all of these movies that are Christmas movies for this one to be number one, like right now in the world, like in, in the zeitgeist kind of thing, mm. it surprises me. It, it, I don't know. What do you, yeah. what do you reckon? Does it surprise yeah, you? I mean, look, if, yeah, this is a very surprising stat. Like, I mean, I can get people being like to my top five, to my top 10, whatever. Like if we're just talking the pure classics, you know, like hmm. nothing this past decade or anything, but like just the classic that goes to the Santa Claus, you listed a whole bunch yeah, there, you know, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Street. You know, yeah, that's just right. Things yeah. just jingle all the way. I don't know. Some people are like that's actually not a great movie, but people won't love it. The this Santa Claus one to top it. Like it's a weird, but again, it's like mm. people like. And we talked about the rating that it had on Rotten Tomatoes. Like the yeah. majority of people are very much into it. So I mean, look, that's an achievement in itself. So. Yeah. Good for this movie. Thanks, Rotten Tomatoes, for that stat. Now, we're talking the franchise as a whole. In yep. 2002, uh, Disney began to consider producing a sequel, but rather than using stop motion, Disney wanted to use computer animation. Ooh. Tim Burton was the guy that was uh, like, well, basically, he convinced Disney to drop the idea. Yeah. He just said, don't do it. Don't do it. So it never happened, never eventuated. Um, it's sort of, you know, popping up every now and then. They're talking about it, but. It's just never really the right time, so it's never mm. eventuated. In 2004, or the 2004 video game, I should say, uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas, Oogie's Revenge, um, it did serve as a sequel to the film with Capcom's crew of developers going after Burton for advice mm. and having the collaboration of the film's art director, um, Deanne Taylor, which is great. Yeah. Now, released on August 2nd, 2022, a sequel was given to the 1993 film in the form of a young adult novel released as Long Live the Pumpkin Queen. It was written by Shia Earnshaw and features Sally as the main character. So basically the events of the film, but her point of view. Mm. Interesting concept. There we go. There's a book. You can read it. <laughs> um, look, overall, I mean, look, that's that's the main... They're the main key points of this yeah. movie and where it stood, all that kind of stuff. Obviously, since it's released, it's been 30 years. We're talking the cultural impact of what's come of it. The film was met, obviously, with commercial and critical success, uh, success as, as we mentioned, you know, upon release, earning praise for its animation, particularly the innovation of stop motion as an art form, as well as its characters, songs, and score. We can't, like, you can't deny there's a uniqueness to everything about this movie, which is which is awesome, which is great. While initially a modest box office hit, it has since garnered a large cult following, which you mentioned, and is widely regarded as one of the greatest animated films of all time. And again, the animation, I'm not knocking it. I'm praising it, all of that. You even mentioned before that Blink-182 song from 20, not 20, 2003, um, I Miss You, which makes <laughs> reference to Jack and Sally, um, which is great. Um Yes, basically, look, there's there's an abundance of other media and stuff, you know, like yeah. comic book issues and, you know, like various other little video games and musicals and bits and pieces. There's a whole, there's a whole heap. Toys, like, merch, this the, whole has, lot, the whole shebang. Well, Con that's it. Concerts, so, video games, yeah, heaps of stuff. Yeah, it's, it's nutty. So this obviously has lived in the pop culture sphere which is great. And again, the impact of Christmas revisiting it each yeah. year, not even just the movie, but like revisiting it through, you know, baubles on your tree or whatever, mm -hmm. all the rubbish I've got in my house, you know, it's fine. I enjoy it. You know, I got my wife, a oogie boogie builder bear, you know, it's great. Like, <laughs> love the shit. <laughs> Big W seems to send love out a the whole shit bunch as well. Of, yeah. 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 They're, they're like, you know, you go in and Halloween as well, not just Christmas, Halloween, Big W is there with it. And then I'm pretty sure they just put the same stuff out at Christmas. They know what they're doing. And they do. <laughs> it's fantastic. That so it works on both ends. It's a timeless um, classic. So you can keep re-releasing the same merch every year. 
Yeah, less classy. But look, that leads me into this question I've got for you. Now we've obviously right. gone into this, and we're saying Christmas movie. We're releasing this episode in December in anticipation of Christmas 2023. All mm. of that. But how much of this movie is a Christmas movie, and how much of it is a Halloween movie? I mean, it's dark, it's gritty. Um, where 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 the main character is the king of Halloween, the the yep. pumpkin king, the pumpkin king. It's it's literally referred to as the nightmare before Christmas, not the nightmare at Christmas or the nightmare of Christmas. It's the nightmare before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Halloween. Where's your stance? What are your thoughts? Let's debate. Dun, dun, okay. Dun, dun. So <laughs> straight straight away, I'd say this is a Christmas movie, um, not a Halloween movie. You can make it a Halloween movie. That's great. It's awesome. But it doesn't have it in the name. It's not on the can. It's not on the box. <laughs> not on the whatever. Can. It's got Christmas in the title. It's a Christmas movie, goddammit. It happens. like So this movie commences on, you know, on Halloween or Hall- like the, the evening after, the morning after Halloween. But its climax is Christmas Day for Christmas Town. So, or, the, or no, no, sorry, the world, the world. So, to me, this is a Christmas movie because of the setting, the time of the year, the, the, where, where its action is happening, the way it's paced. It's, you know yeah. I can't argue with, with those points. It literally does start the day after Halloween. Correct. So, we don't actually see Halloween, we just see the remnants. We see the world of Halloween, I suppose, but not yeah. the actual Halloween day. So on that point, there we go. Put it to rest. Christmas movie. <laughs> so you agree. That's Rotten good. Tomatoes are good Correct. with their list. They're like, <laughs> yes. All right. Now, obviously, like, this movie is quite dark and ugh, I keep trying to avoid saying that we're gritty, but, you know, it's gothic. It's like moody, gothic is a good creepy. one. Yeah. There's spiders and, you know, messed up figures and goblins mm. and ghouls and all that sort of fun stuff so dizzy movie of course that's that's definitely what fits into this category i love that the like the release of this movie just a bit of backstory here it was originally going to be released under the walt disney pictures um uh feature animation lineup what do they call it but yep. disney decided to release the film under the studio's adult orientated touchstone pictures banner instead because the studio thought the film would be too dark and scary for kids um and Selick remembered the their biggest fear um and mm. why it was kind of a stepchild project was they were afraid of the core audience hating the film and and not coming but i think for the disney brand especially back in the early 90s i think fair move like it is, it's off brand. It definitely is. I think now you'll see like DVD releases, Blu-rays. I mean, it's on Disney Plus, all that kind of stuff, where they happily put the Disney logo at the top of it. It's it's no longer yeah. hidden. Um, but I just find that whole like, the whole thing fascinating. You know, like you got old Tim Burton there being like, "Let's make this thing. Come on, let's do it." Um, you have to admit, yeah, rather- yeah, it is. It's. I mean, not to have to admit, you did. You're just saying it. Like it's a to be a gamble. You know, it isn't mainstream. Definitely. No. When you're watching it, you can understand it is a family film and it's a kids' film, but it is not a mainstream kids' film in any sense, you know. And there, there, there was a, it's a real risk there that you're going to like ostracize or isolate a part of your core audience yeah. with with this film. But what, what's funny though, like as like a template, like remove all the darkness and like the the looks of the d- designs of the characters and stuff like that. Mm. That all aside. This has the template of a traditional Christmas movie. You've got core characters that are questioning like their world, their purpose. They mm. sing about it. They they go <laughs> through things. Then there's obviously like you know there's a bunch of kooky characters and stuff like that. There's a romance thrown in there as well. You've got villains. Yep. Got, it's a Disney movie. Like this really is, mm. you know, Disney Christmas just thrown from the twisted mind of. Tim Burton and friends. Yeah, <laughs> Tim Burton and yeah, and usual collaborators. Yes. Um, so, it's, yeah. so it's funny to think like, is this for kids? Is it not for kids? Mm-hmm. I remember watching this as a kid, but and no real memories of it traumatizing me in any way. But at the same time, I'm like, 
like if if we're like if as my kids start to get older, oh, we're looking at what Christmas movies we can start introducing them to and stuff. You know, around that time of year, mm. is this one that's on the list? Maybe I, not for a few I would years. Say like it's, we're really going to be holding back. It's not. It's not actually a kids' movie in the in the well, I mean, in, not in the traditional sense. I think this is a so a young adult teen. Like this is the emo phase of your teenage years kind of movie. <laughs> you know, this is your angst years. Like the the yeah. The the characters in it are a little bit more complex than your usual than your usual kind of Disney characters. The world itself, you know, as we're saying, gothic <laughs> emo. I'm going to use it probably for the rest of this episode. <laughs> um, but it's you know, it, it's it, it isn't necessarily like your six year olds. It's your twelve and your thirteen year olds that would probably understand it a bit more and relate to it a little bit better. Um, so kids movie, still youth. But it's not for the young ones, like specifically. I think the target audience for this one is is more mature, um, out of yeah. their yeah that demographic anyway. Um, we really need to get like young young people on this show and just be like, <laughs> can we ask you your opinion just very quickly? How do you feel about this movie? <laughs> Most or people just do you reckon young people are watching it still? Do you reckon? I mean, mate, like surely, like. Kids are still dark and you reckon young stuff, people. But maybe again, you're thinking like the, the teenagers, right? The teenagers. Yeah. I'm gonna go ask my nieces. Oh, when I next see them, I'm gonna be like, "Hey, have you seen Night Before Christmas? What's your, what's your stance?" Yeah. <laughs> and if they're all just like, "No idea what you're talking about," I'll be like, "Well, there you go." Yeah. Well, that'll you're be my only. Answer. You're my only sample, and <laughs> <laughs> only sample, and your only only connection to youth. Yes, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, all right, as a as like a, as someone who appreciates film and you know, goes into things a bit mm. like I, I like the craft and all of that. Yeah. Like I said before, the animation style, the production, the whole stop frame animation stuff behind this all. Yeah. Like I love it. This I is a it. Like, beautiful film. A beautiful film, I think. Mm. Um it's like just that stop motion stuff is so uh, I I really like and, and modern modern stop motion. Like it's so much smoother than this, but this—it's an art form that you you can appreciate the uh, like mm. the lower frame rate. You know, you, I love the rustic look yeah. of the yeah. It's like the you know like the really old Wallace and Gromit's, and and you know, yeah. I'm not comparing this to the Ardman style of the cartoon, yeah. stuff, but um, yeah, obviously like like the Tim Burton style world, mm. but yeah, it's just that rustic look just really adds to it and every time i do watch this movie like i do get that pure enjoyment from just like this looks incredible and then just appreciating the time the magic that went into like mm. designing it. i'll i'll direct you to um the documentary series um movies that made us i think it's the third season that they've got an episode on a nightmare before christmas and like okay. you, you know, you get some great behind the scenes looks of like the sets that they built, like these giant tables. I'm talking giant mm. tables of these actual landscapes, um, and the the size of like the characters, like the puppets and stuff, like huge. They're like like three feet tall or something. Probably not even that big, but <laughs> I remember like watching it, being like, "Wow, they're a lot bigger than you think." Yeah. So detailed, like the number of heads that they. Oh they yeah, had for just Jack alone, I think it was like in the hundreds mm. of just different head models and and things. Like, yeah, I don't know. Stop, stop frame a- a- animation has has always been like a little thing that tickles me. Mm. So again, every time I watch this, it's like, yeah, I'm just getting a kick out of the way it looks. The yeah, the bla- I mean, there's some CGI use, or whether it's called CGI or like digital imagery and stuff. You know, like when, especially like when you've got zero sort of flying around and, and stuff like that. Like, yeah. There's a there's a nice little blend here, but for the most part, it's just what you see is what they've done, and yeah, like oh, I love it. What, what I I do as well, and I mean, oh yeah, I've got a true respect for that that type of filmmaking, the stop motion, but not just that. Like that's not just the only thing that impresses me. It's also the, the kind of create the gothic kind of creativity of the characters themselves. So all the supporting like Halloween characters, like the whole diversity. Of mm. the different, you know, your, your different your ghouls and your werewolves and your vampires and your witches and 
like it's just a world of kind of cr- like crazy makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable like the, the design <laughs> oh, of like, them all, the design of them and you, you isolate like, one random like background character and just stare at it and it's yeah. like you, you're a messed up looking dude like yeah. <laughs> like they, you he, have to think like yeah what mind did this come out of like who designed mm. you like <laughs> Burton, it's, <laughs> he's just when, when as soon as he as, as soon as he influences a pr- something like he just he just turns it into the weird, you know. It's such a weird thing, but so and, yeah, and you know there would have been whether it's him actually designing every character, like whoever was designing all of these these like, little models and, and stuff, mm. they probably were referencing like yeah, I know Tim Burton has a he just has like this sketchbook of just random things that he just yeah. doodle and draw and, and and a lot of that is just these weird little little characters and these little yeah. dudes. It's just, so definitely taking inspiration there. Mm. Um but you know like there's this characters like Dr. Finkelstein, which you know obviously like an homage to like the Frankenstein yeah. kind of thing. And then you've got like an Igor type character yeah. and then you just got like weird things happening, like like with the mayor, and it's like he's got his head that twists around. Well, and he's a he's a like... to- he's a two face two face politician. That's what I, I that's how I interpreted. Yeah, that. like so like, yeah, so you get the cool like meta, but at the same time he's just like he's like a toy. Like it's, mm. he's like he's literally a you turn it around depending on how he's feeling. Yeah, like. yeah. But you're right. It's that it's that two face politician kind of. Mm whether you call it a gag or a, a metaphoric kind of thing it's yeah yeah i think, I think it might be I mean, it might be a subtle metaphor there um dr dr finkelstein I, I like his design with how he takes his his helmet off and he scratches his brain kind of thing <laughs> it was just really good <laughs> get, real, get real in there <laughs> yeah i mean yeah when you got an itch you got to scratch it that's for sure um uh, and like the weird, tall lankiness of of Jack. Um, mm, to, can relate. Like, <laughs> but he doesn't. He doesn't appear to be a skeleton. Do you know what I mean? Because he, he's not proportioned like a human, whereas Sally is. But he is a skeleton. Like he gives his rib to zero to chase, kind of thing. Like I don't know. It's, he's just an interesting. It's an interesting design. I think. I don't know. Yeah, like I think there is a reason why, like his image has sort of created a bit of a, I guess, like a a bit of a mark. Like you're right. Like he's very sleek, slim stature, very tall, mm. very thin. Um, or, you know, obviously like, in the suit or like both the north, like his, you know, his yeah, I call it, like his formal suit. <laughs> his get up there, and then when he's in like the the Santa Claus kind of um outfit top it off with his just his it's a simple it's skeleton like like his round white mm. just plain head like yeah it, there's something very basic about him at the same time very striking unique like these designs are crazy like he's, mm. he's a very interestingly designed character and, and again yeah i can completely understand why he makes like such an impression it's like because it's it's weird. It's weird to have your main characters just look so bizarre and twisted and mm. just out of the norm. Um, but at the same time, like so good, like so many images of like you know him on his like little sled thing, whether it's with you know zero pulling it, you know he's being mm. pulled on this sleigh by this ghost dog. Mm. He's just this tall, lanky, ghostly like skeleton figure with a yeah. Christmas hat. It's mm. like. Like you just look at that image and you're like, "What am I looking at?" Yeah, absolutely. It's great. Like it's 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 so bizarre. Like it's so alternative and like mm. rebellious. Feels yeah. naughty. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, <laughs> like yeah, not, not in a weird way. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not even sure what you meant by that. What do you, re- what, you reckon about um Chris Sarandon who played him? Well, actually, you know what I've I I found out. Which I didn't know before, but mind you, I've only seen the movie a couple of times. I didn't know that um, Danny Elfman was Jack's singing voice in this. I didn't realize. Yeah, I didn't like... realize that was two different people, and Danny Elfman himself was voicing it, well, singing it. Well, there's a cool little backstory to that. Like when mm. you know they had Danny Elfman, you know, like they're doing the music and writing the songs, the bits and pieces, all that. Um, 
and the intention was to you know whether they got chris sarandon to do the singing obviously i didn't go with that but maybe they would have had much like in disney movies where it's like you have a voice actor but then you have someone doing the singing part Mm. and they try and make it feel seamless but they had danny elfman in as basically just the what's the word like just the like the the understudy like the demo like the well like the demo version of the songs as they were sort oh, of, developing oh, of them. course yeah the stand-in yeah. sort of thing the stand-in yeah. for when they actually get someone to do the actual performance mm. but then what they found is that like it was pretty damn good like when he did it so they just stuck with it and they were like why don't we just use your versions yeah they seem well and i guess they were like look we've got we've got sarandon as the voice mm. for when he's speaking kind of sounds like what his singing voice would be like this works let's do it and well it was to me it was was seamless i didn't yeah i didn't actually i didn't know know it was two different people but yeah there's been times in the past where i've like i'm like wait is it danny elfman doing the voice as well because like why not but then yeah it's Mm. like it wasn't i was like okay cool but um now look saran does a pretty pretty decent job like i'm not too familiar with him and with with the other stuff there's a uniqueness to his voice though like it's very mm. it, it's quite like staged theatrical it's yes you know it's it's big in performance as in like pronounces it's yeah it's projected really yeah um, and that's where I, at the at the top i was talking about how this to me is like the songs and things are like and the, and the tone of this is more operatic um Chris, Chris Sarandon's portrayal, like the way that he performs, like I agree with what you were saying, it's theatrical. It's like Jack himself is, like he is performing. Like that's that's what he's doing. Like hmm. when, when he's talking to the people around him, when he's walking by himself and he's getting all moody up on the hill kind of thing before he starts singing, like he's still projecting out as if he has an audience um, and him being the leader of the, you know, the, the, the Halloween town, like he is their, their charismatic leader in that sense. Like he's their performer. He's their, he's the one who is, you know, outshines everybody. He's, he's the leader of Halloween and gets the most frights. He's the pumpkin King kind of thing. So and- the way that Chris performs it is that he is always Perform, like Jack is always performing to an audience, even if he's by himself. I like that. I like that. Like he, yeah, you're right. He's a performer. His job is essentially to put on a show. Yeah, which is Halloween, right? Mm. So he's he's always on. He's a he's a showman. I like that, and it explains why Chris Sarandon's performance is so like, whoa, we're out there. <laughs> yeah, super theatrical. Things. Yeah, but um, then even when like. You know, even when he's when there's no one around, like when he falls into Halloween, uh, sorry, to Christmas Town, and you know he is doing the like he's looking at stuff, he's in awe, and he, he's just he's really excited about stuff. Like, look at all this stuff, da, 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 da. like it's he's yeah. rattling off all these things that he's seeing, and he's amazed. But again, it's it's. I mean, in that moment, he is in song though, so <laughs> it leans more towards it. But at the same time, it's like he's still going crazy and and mm. it's good like it's enjoyable like it works really well his so. whole character like the the being essentially you know like feeling feeling a little bit lost in his purpose and what he needs to do and then finding this new lease on life when he discovers this other world and it's like there's this whole place outside mm. i think it's it's quite a mature sort of standpoint for a for a character you know kind of going through the self-discovery who am i what's my purpose what do i do so it's like it's yeah it's like it's a very adult thing it's sort of like almost like he's having a midlife crisis and he doesn't really know what to do with himself and then yeah. takes this on how he goes about stuff is is quite uh questionable <laughs> I'm, every time i watch this movie i'm just like everybody realizes that jack is the villain right yeah, like, but he might be our main character, but but is he a villain <laughs> or is he just naive? You know, because intentions well, mean something, right? Uh, look, right? the great the the greatest villains are the ones that think they're the hero of their own story, and this Jack character definitely thinks mm-hmm. that, which is which is fantastic. It's good, but well, I mean, everything he does, like he organizes, you know, like the. Um, uh, mm. The kids are what they call lock, shock, and barrel. You know, like get yep. me Santa Claus. He essentially sends them to go kidnap, kidnap Santa Claus. 
which they do, and well, yep. first they money, but you know they they get it done. So he's orchestrating kidnappings. He's hmm. and even when Santa, you know, like is there, it's like he's not like, oh look, I want to take over. Let's have a discussion. It's like no, no, I'm going to lock you away. Um, I'm going to steal your hat because that was the thing that was missing off my costume, um, and I'm basically <laughs> just. I'm just going to take your job. I'm going to do that. Like, it's quite villainous. It's quite antagonistic. Yeah. He's the bad guy. Like, everything that goes wrong in this movie, like the, hey, let's make toys. I mean, you're right. The intentions are there, but it's very, mm. uh, it's interesting to see, like, sort of the, we're making toys, but all the toys are horrifying and probably very dangerous. And he's but, just bringing nothing but, but in, horror. In, the, in Jack's defense, though, he doesn't, horror to him is joy. So he thinks That's that true. he's providing yeah. joy. He understands the concept that joy needs to be shared. And so he's sharing joy in the way that he, he knows. Joy. No, you're and- right. Like that's, that's it. And that's why, that's where that emotional impact it might actually be a little bit heavier is because he's so naive in that sense of like his interpretation of joy and, and what Christmas is meant to be. And when it finally dawns on him that he's done something wrong, it's even harder. It hits harder a little bit mm. because because he he then realizes he is the villain <laughs> in that sense. Yeah, um, like and he feels shit, that, <laughs> and you feel shit for him. That scene in the real world where he's you know he's at the grave that the gravesite or whatever it is, yeah, tombs and shit, all that, and he's and he's there and again like very artistically shot, mm. you know, like posing him as sort of like an angel type thing, but he's fallen and he's just like what what have I done? Like, yeah. you know, like I've caused, and that's his moment of realization. So it's like, mm. obviously it comes good and you know, it, it all, it all happens. And then yeah, there's stuff with Sally and he realizes, yeah, oh, look, she's, she's a pretty cool gal. She's been there the whole time. Mm. And you know what? He's right. There's been one character throughout this whole movie that mm. is there on the sidelines and is trying actively to make him. things right she's yeah. aware she's like this isn't right this isn't good oh no nothing good can come from this i need to try and do something yeah. but then she kind of gets do you like do you think her insight into christmas and understanding that he's doing something wrong and he's misguided and he doesn't understand really the, the purpose of it all do you think that's because she's made of human and Ooh. what I mean by that is, out of all of the all of her parts, all of the like she is in in her all of her parts a human being. Well, kind of, she's got leaves as a stuffing, so it's a bit weird. But anyway, <laughs> what it, what my point being is, like all of the other um, characters from Halloween Town, they they're not human; they're like they're beasts and mythical creatures and all this other shit. Yeah, I mean, she's you know? the most humanoid. And she's the one who realizes very, very clearly that he's doing the wrong thing. It and she said he doesn't notice her. That's all. There could be some logic to that. And and I, mm. I don't really have any argument against it. So I kind of want to go for it. So let's what just say I would I'm correct. Say is, but yeah, that's always a good stance to take. In, <laughs> just in life in general. But um, <laughs> the alternative would be sometimes, right, in life... Mm. Us men just need a smart woman to tell us how it is. Um, <laughs> and look, there could be some truth to the fact that it's just like Jack is a bit of an idiot, whether you put it down to naivety or whatever. But ego, she's there. It's just yeah. like arrogance. Yeah, no, nah, this that's your job. This is the world we live in. Don't mess with stuff. You mess with stuff, things go wrong. She's obviously just mm. aware of she's just got that common sense. And maybe it's because she's a chick, maybe it's because she's made out of people parts i don't know whatever that was a weird sentence <laughs> yeah yeah a, li- a little bit, bit. Uh, but, but maybe it's yeah. because she's both i mean why not both maybe it's because she is why a, not a, a female human there you go but i watched this movie and i'm like sally is our protagonist she's trying to get stuff sorted she's trying to prevent stop resolve she's trying to do all the right stuff and she's just getting shafted <laughs> like she's getting locked up with you know, you know what's you know, cool like... though about sally though like about this like she's a protagonist she's also she's like a, a quite a strong female lead in the way that she has agency mm. she she in in a normal disney movie she would be getting rescued by jack 
right? Oh, she's she's but she's she's very much her own escapes. Yeah, she, repeatedly. <laughs> she she poisoned doing Santa like that's what she's doing. Yeah, so she she she's quite a capable character, and it's and that in itself, you know, even back, for back in nineteen ninety three, I guess as well. Like that's that kind of bucks the mold, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It really challenges it. Um, you were gonna say bucks the trend, and I cut you off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you, it doesn't matter. It's fine. We still got it in there anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, so not your traditional um, female lead in a Disney movie, and it's refreshing. Um, I think it's yeah. great, you know, to see her have that <laughs> confidence, agency, and she's looking after herself, and she saves the day in the end because she, she, yeah, saves or goes after saves Santa, brings Jack around. He sees his senses, and she, he gets, she gets the guy, you know. If you look all at it that way, stuff. all the good stuff, and, and all the, you know, like, like visually and stuff as well, right? Like, like. And again, like you're watching this, and it's like this is stop frame animation. She's sewing mm. herself back together. Yeah, she's, when she rips and that leaves come out, even mm. her just walking up those that like cobbled bridge thing. I'm like, yeah, what am I watching here? Like, she's so intricate, voiced by Catherine O'Hara. Yeah, of all things, you know, like the the mum from Home Alone, the mm. um mm. the. Well, I guess the mum from Beetlejuice. I don't know. Yeah, I was going to say that. This sort of time. Yeah, she's done plenty, but, um, but like I'm listening to this and I'm like, how is this Catherine O'Hara? Like, mm. she sounds so young. The, I mean, this was three years after Home Alone, but at the same time, like, she sounds so young. She doesn't yeah. sound like what I know of Catherine O'Hara. Mm-hmm. Bizarre. I was like, surely not. But the internet tells me everything. The credits in this movie tell me that it's oh. Catherine. O'Hara. Okay, fine. <laughs> I um, I didn't believe it. I didn't know that. I didn't. So like I haven't. I've only seen this movie a couple of times. I didn't know it was her until we we started looking into the notes. Um, I I was pleasantly surprised. Um, and even now thinking about it, I can't pick. I can't. I there's just no connection there. The way that her her performance mm. in this is just not associated with mo- like her other work that she's so known known so well for. So yeah. it's just so softly spoken and mm. like a little bit squeaky because it's like it's a cartoony kind of female character, but it like it works. But yeah, I mean, yeah just like Catherine Hara, really. So impressive, impressive. The I don't know the range, I suppose, if that's the way to describe yeah. it. Well, Catherine Hara um, also plays um, other role, Shock. Shock, oh. yeah the the girl. Of the triplets or the yeah kids, the, three, the trio. Barrel. So you've got just you've also got Danny Elfman is Barrel. So you've got Danny Elfman, like and Catherine O'Hara both have multiple speaking roles or sing. Um, yeah, speaking yeah, roles in this movie. Plays, yeah. plays the clown with the tearaway face, which is a horrifying guy. Um, Paul Rubens is the other kid. Lot. Yeah, so Paul yeah. Rubens, Pee Wee Herman. Yeah, or, you know yeah. if you what's another go to Tim Burton movie? Batman Returns. He plays the Penguin's dad at the start of the movie. That's, oh, <laughs> right, that's a thing. Yeah, good old Paul Rubens gets around. I did say yeah. at the top, oh, cool. Burton just generally has like you know regular collaborators, um, and this one's no different. Even if he's not at the helm, <laughs> even if he's not at the helm, he's still influencing it very strongly. Um, that's the thing you know how many times have we mentioned tim burton like as like this is his thing when really it's like henry Selleck, we you know director we, mm. we've got to give him the credit <laughs> we've got to we, give him the main we definitely credit do we also we also need to, we also need to organize like a psych evaluation for him too because it's a bit of a weird twisted <laughs> movie if he hasn't already seen somebody <laughs> everyone involved but look are there any other characters you wanted to sort of go over or point out or... oogie boogie that's all i just want to talk about oogie boogie just for a second all um, right played well, by ken Page. i love his design he great design holy shit great design um gross design he he is he's just a big oh the different he, yeah the he, different he, versions of him he changes mm, and yeah but he's what so he's a he's a pillowcase that's full of bugs really Ultimately, I've been described as that a few times. Yeah, You're a pillowcase full of bugs. Full of bugs. But what an what insult! A, what a and what a gruesome <laughs> demise that he has. You know, yeah. but, but you know, but, but about, about his character though, right? He's he's like a cookie cutter bad guy kind of thing. He's introduced 
through a silhouette, through a like a shadow, like that's where you see, kind of find out about him initially, kind of thing. But ultimately, he doesn't actually do much other than he's kind try, of like he's just in the he, background. Like it's not his story. He's not a he's there. He's gonna he's he's gonna kill Santa, right? But mm. ultimately, like he's like in the back seat. Like he's a he's an antagonist that's in the back seat for for the whole trip like he's not he's not important well, really remember how i'm saying like i'm taking the stance that jack is the true, true antagonist yeah. of this film right where you've got sally as more of the protagonist like she's mm. she's doing her thing and the story really is centric around jack's skeleton and now whether you actually take the stance that he's a he's villainous or whatever i mean that's beside the point the movie is is about him mm. but a lot of the conflict and every all of the issues and stuff that arise revolve around jack's decisions and his actions all of that but i think the movie kind of needs to take a stance of uh, we need not necessarily like a like the villain but we need like a physical threat we need a something for them to like we need another challenge something for them to Mm. go around and especially like the other characters because when jack's off doing his santa thing he's he's essentially left he's left halloween town so you've Mm. got Sally remaining, you've got the situation with Santa, you know, locked up. Who's holding him? And it can't be. I feel like they they use Doctor Finkelstein as an as an antagonistic character for mm. for Sally, but proven almost instantaneously that like he can be outsmarted, outwitted by her, easy. So it's like there's no real threat there. There's no physical mm. kind of threat to him, so they can't really use him for that. So it's like yeah, let's create this monster marshmallow pillowcase kind of ghost mm. demon figure big demeaning he can be the dragon you know watching the dungeon you know and yeah. santa is our princess <laughs> essentially like that's what they've done he's that physical presence that serves that sort of missing gap of what mm. this movie doesn't have in terms of a villain because you've got the conflicted jack element well if you think Finkelstein about it is yeah kind of there if you didn't have Oogie Boogie, then Jack would probably appear more villainous. But because he's also like a, you know, like he's a sympathetic bad guy, <laughs> I guess. In that, I guess if, if that sounds, yes, yeah, makes yeah. sense. Well, yeah. conflicted and yeah, yeah, sympathetic. Yeah, that all works. Um, but it, he has layers and feelings. <laughs> if, yeah, if you didn't have, you know, a a kind of like stand out, like in your face um, antagonist. Then you probably would think a little bit less of Jack for the decisions he's making, perhaps. Do you know what I mean? Like you sure. need, you do need to have Oogie Boogie in in this to be like that pure pure evil, so that way you feel a bit bit more sympathy for Jack for doing stupid shit. That's that's my take on it anyway. Um, but I mean, Oogie Boogie, he's he he's he's not even that scary in the sense that like Jack's not even worried. Jack Jack just says. Like just don't tell him, you know what I mean. As in, when he's talking to the kids, he's he says just don't mention anything to him, and he's referring to Oogie Boogie. But you, you don't feel any real fear from Jack or concern. He's just like, don't tell him, yeah, because mm. he because he's going to annoy me by doing something stupid. Like yeah, and so, no, so right. yeah, so he's like yeah, Oogie Boogie's not exactly a. To, to to Jack or to the audience, he's not exactly a huge threat. He has to be there. But do you know, he has, suppose it, you know, he has a pretty boss song with the well, suitably titled Oogie Boogie song. Like <laughs> he has his musical moment, is visually striking, all of that. Um, he's dispatched in a very I, terrible way as well. You know, like when yeah. he, he's de-threaded and then his bugs fall into like the molten pit of whatever oh, it's pretty horrid that's right <laughs> and then he gets his last last bug gets stood, stood on by a jack who kills who kills the last bug i can't remember cool i'm glad we don't do a quiz anymore because i definitely wouldn't know um that's all right but yeah all right cool you know what i think a bug getting crushed is a nice place to top this uh top this, play, this, <laughs> this episode off with so i think all that's left to do um, mm. In the spirit of all things holy and Christmas and terrifying, um, <laughs> if you were to rate the Nightmare Before Christmas out of five VHS tapes, what are you giving it today? 
this so okay i said before the songs aren't poppy and to me they're not very catchy in a sense they're operatic they're more of they're more the character actually communicating to you rather than entertaining you um and so for me even though that's a core component of this movie that takes it down a little notch that it because that's not 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 really my style in a sense but the animation is moving and the creativity the darkness behind it and the the actual emotion that you feel with these characters like their loneliness and how just yeah how like how much jack really wants to do something different and exciting and it's that's a relatable thing you know yeah, it's, I, I find him to be a very relatable kind of character in this movie. I, you know, as a watching this as a mature person only, not not watching it as a kid in any way, I've really, really enjoyed it. And even though the music isn't my thing, like the animation really connects with me and the themes really connect with me. And I, like for me, this this kind of movie is, it, it, it's definitely like a four, it's, it's a four and a half. Like this is... Wow. I really wow. enjoyed. I no no. I really enjoyed it, but only because of I, just a true appreciation for the vibe and the tone and the art artistry behind it. Now I wouldn't. It's just the music. I wish the, if the if it was a bit more catchy music, <laughs> not the score, just the music. It would probably be a perfect movie to me. This movie. So that's just me. That's just me. So I like that. I like that. All right. Um. Yeah. Look. I mean, as I said before, like the animation such appreciation such love for it. like it mm. is a beautiful gorgeous movie um 30 years old and it's like i love the I love the feel and stuff of it the yeah. character designs all those things um i like the conflict of the characters the the like they're all interesting aren't they they're all they've all got something sort mm. of going for them the designs the performances and stuff are pretty good now it sounds like i'm just high praising this movie and there's a lot of stuff to praise the majority of the songs not all of them really work and a lot of them sound a drag i get that but there are some that are bloody catchy and mm. they're they're well performed and well done like i'm into the music i do like the music having said all of that though like i watched this movie and i'm like at its core though it's you know you've got interesting characters but like it's just quite simple in terms of what's going on what's happening Mm. um you know i think acquired taste is just comes into play and it's like this works on many different levels for different people i I completely get when i watch this movie though i'm like once i move past the hey look i i love the way this was made and put together and i the craft Mm. it's like am i truly enjoying myself watching this no like like that that sounds that's actually no that sounds too negative but it's like it's not like i'm having a bad time it's just like am i loving this no am i liking this yeah this is cool like that's happening (laughs) seen a number of times it's it can get kind of wearing and so okay again that's sounding like quite a negative kick in the pants of this movie it's not it's not like i hate this movie at all like this movie is perfectly like on the surface as a as a piece of entertainment it's perfectly fine it's all good i'm happy to sit through it every year because my wife makes me watch it like it's all good it's never a chore it's just it doesn't do it for me in the in i think the way that it does for a lot of other people Mm. where they're just like it's fantastic it's great it's like it's fine but it's pretty simple like he goes and does the sand it's he's basically like the reverse grinch like he wants to do good but stuffs it up because he's an idiot. <laughs> Doesn't know <anything laughs> um, and then he kind of learns from it. And then there's kind of the love story kind of uh, just mm. as a bow on top of everything, just thrown in kind of at the end. Like, yeah. it's like, all right. So simple. There's just simple stuff to it. I'm going to come in at a 3.5. 3.5. Again, that's still pretty decent praise for the movie. Like, it's a mm. good movie. It just doesn't really work on every single level in terms of. Yeah pure enjoyment for me but yeah definitely not bad at all not bad at all this is a, it's this is a great res- that's respectable thing. it's like, respectable yeah for for, for me there's there's this it's it's hard to articulate for me but it's there's a there's a level of like not connection um like it's relatability to to some of the darkness to this movie as, as weird as that sounds 
that it really it, it resonates and I, I can't explain it. So like I said, about the music, take the music away from it, the rest of it, the tone and the, and that's, that's probably, and I think you're absolutely right. You, you nailed it. Like it isn't, it's an acquired taste, this one. It's like a wine, you know? <laughs> it's a so wine, you, yeah. yeah. I can appreciate this wine, but. um, Yeah, it's not for everybody. You know, I don't want to drink it every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no. It's, uh, um, so, pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Yeah, someone. I'll, I'll have a glass of your bottle, please. Thank you. Yeah, sorry. of your bottle. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah, you yeah. wanna you, <laughs> rush out? I'll, I'll go to town in it. But uh, yeah, that's it. All right, cool. I think I think we've done it. So I guess yeah. nothing left to say except that was our review. To oh, the one thing I need to say, and I stuff it up. That was our <laughs> rewind to nineteen ninety three, the nightmare before Christmas. Yeah, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Rewind and Review. Um, make sure you subscribe and download this podcast on SoundCloud, um, SoundCloud Apple Podcast, or wherever you find us, um, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, and feel free to leave us a review as well while you're there. And follow us on social media. We're on Facebook as Rewind and Review Podcast and Instagram and uh, Twitter. Oh, my God, as that Film Stew Podcast. You, you mean you're, you've got old notes. You mean X, not Twitter. X. I refuse to call it X <laughs> as everybody else. Ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> um, if you <laughs> back back to the show though, if you if you haven't already, um, check out our other shows. Um, we've got that film stew um, and sounds like comics. Each of those have got their own Facebook pages as well. Thank you for listening. This has been another rewind and review. See you on the next trip. See ya. Please rewind this cassette before returning it to your video library.